0: You're listening to Frontlines, a podcast for the people that truly make mountain biking happen. Not the riders, racers, or product designers, but the builders, advocates, and the often forgotten board members of your local mountain bike trail association. First off, I want to say it's great to be back. But before we dive into a new episode, I want to say a few things. First, thank you to Susie, Ernest, and Alex. Over the past few years, your monthly donations have kept this podcast on the air. And although new episodes haven't been available in the last year, your monthly support has allowed me to keep the lights on and keep paying the bills. This helps to kind of keep episodes available for new listeners. Now, as we come back from hiatus, I have no new funding. I'm certainly looking for episode sponsors, as always. That said, this podcast has always been supported by listeners. So whether it's signing up for a monthly donation or sending a one-time donation, every little bit helps. You can find a link to our PayPal in the show notes. Any amount helps. If every subscriber donated $1, it would ensure an entire year of episodes. As for today's episode, the world has changed since we last spoke. There are more people on the trails than ever before. And I'm sure you know plenty of people, as I do, who are willing to complain about it on a regular basis. But here's what gets me excited about the future of trails. With more trail users, comes more trail advocates. And my guest on this episode is a great example of that. Now, I'm your host, Bren Hillier, and this is episode 85 of Frontlines. My next guest is Dave Turnier. He's with Valley Life Recreation out in Minnedosa, Manitoba. Hey, Dave, thanks for joining me.
1: Uh, Thanks for having me here, Brent. It's a real honour.
0: To start off with, tell us a little bit more about what Valley Life Recreation is.
1: Valley Life Recreation is a group of various trail users, um, hikers, uh, cross-country skiers, trail runners, and mountain bikers who wanted to... I guess, come together with a common love of trails and build formal trails in a region where there are a lot of unofficial trails, but, you know, so as to preserve the longevity of trails and to ensure adequate land management and permissions and so on and so forth, we wanted to, you know, formally build something that uh, the whole community could take ownership over and really, you know, create something that became a point of pride for not only the community, but the region as well. So that's kind of what, what led to Valley Life coming to be what it is today.
0: And how did you get involved with the organization?
1: Um, You know, I got involved. I I mean, I have past organization experience. So I think that was certainly one of the things that, uh, you know, a few of the early individuals who were involved before I got came around uh, saw. But uh, I mean, truth be told, I, I, first jumped on a mountain bike at least in my adult life only 5ish years ago and you know fell head over heels in love with this thing that kind of left me saying god where's this been my whole life <laughs> <laughs> and then as i kind of just got to know the you know the group around here that rode and you know talk of this formal trail park was being discussed you know i became really interested in the idea and and i'm the type of guy i guess that isn't you know i'll come and help work on trail, but you don't want to give me a shovel and put me in charge because (laughs) who knows what the end result will be. But if you want someone to coordinate and manage and plan and apply for grant funding and that type of stuff, I, I really enjoy that type of stuff. I I love the big thinking 30,000 foot perspective. So that's kind of how I got involved with the organization.
0: Yeah. And it's always, it's, I mean, I'll be honest with you. I I think, uh, as much as I appreciate trail builders and I'm, I'm one myself, I think, uh, what a lot of organizations are, are looking for is, is folks like yourself. And so it's always, uh, it's always nice to get people into the organization that, that kind of have, uh, that perspective and, and that skill set and that, that ability. So we started talking just so folks listening know we started just talking over the last year or so and, and, uh, well, I was kind of on, on hiatus and, and so you've actually gone through and kind of listened to all of the episodes recently. And, and as we were just kind of chatting with off air, um, you've got a little bit more, probably more recent experience with the podcast than I even do. You've, you've listened to those episodes (laughs) sooner than than I have. And, and, uh, and so it's, it's kind of neat to kind of hear from somebody like yourself. And, and I was grateful when you reached out to me, um, however long ago it was and, and uh and that people were just still listening to the show because I, I I really do strive to make what I consider evergreen content. It's one of the reasons yeah. why I kind of chose to go on on hiatus as well with with just everything's kind of under the the covid lens these days and you know listening to to those past episodes, what kind of stood out for you? I know definitely things from from your perspective is the multi use uh trail organization that's always something mm-hmm. that I'm, that really interests me, but um what else kind of jumped out at you with those past episodes?
1: I mean, this may sound odd to say, but I just learned a ton about the mountain biking industry over the last few decades Mm. from listening to, you know, all um, 80 plus episodes of of the show. I, uh, as you know, shared just a few moments ago, as someone who's relatively new to the mountain biking world, and to put that in context, I I turned 40 last month. So to give people some idea, you know, I, 35 years old was when I jumped on a mountain bike. I uh, I come into this pretty fresh, right? And uh, I loved the true decades of experience that so many of the guests have brought and learning about, you know, the history of mountain biking and how it's come from this, uh, you know, this day and age or, th- or this, this group of, you know, sometimes uh, not renegade, but, you know, going out and doing our own thing mm-hmm. to this transition now where mountain bikers are organized and creating you know uh infrastructure that is highly valued by the communities that they recreate in that was you know probably first of all that was one of the things that really stood out to me i just appreciated learning so much from so many people and i was reminded about how much i don't know (laughs) it's it's been such a great listen you have produced uh, a treasure trove of information that uh is as you said evergreen in every sense of the word
0: well, I, I appreciate that, and and I think the, the the biggest it was the reason for for me kind of creating the show is just because of all these voices that uh, that I was grateful enough to kind of be surrounded by, and and just all these wonderful conversations that that I had had you know personally with people or at at shows or events or over the phone or or what have you, and, and realizing that like you know, other people have, have to, they have to hear this stuff, you know, there's, there's such yeah. great experience yeah. out there. And, um, and it's been really neat to kind of see, I, I hear from more and more people, yourself included uh, every single day where, you know, I get all these other new perspectives kind of coming into the conversation. So,
1: well, and, and I should share, I mean, probably one of the greatest comments I got about the podcast when I, when a mountain biking friend shared it with me, and then I shared it with our board um one of our board members who's who's a trail runner that is his passion he listened to every single episode of the podcast i think in like 45 days or something like that <laughs> wow and he appreciated the depth of knowledge that came from it in it, through his own lens as a trail mm. runner which i thought was really remarkable i mean whether it be the topics of diversity in trails whether it be the topic of of um of the multi-use aspect of trails, which obviously is, you know, as you touched on earlier is something that's really important to Valley Life Recreation. Uh, he he was just so appreciative of, uh, of the learning that he was able to take away from it, even though he's never been on a bike on a trail. Mm. So yeah, that was really, really great. Um, I mean, I, uh, yeah, I mean, there were, there are a lot of great things I can say about the podcast. I, I, I don't know how long you want me to go on, but, uh, it's just, (laughs) it was, um, It's really given me a lot of confidence to lead our organization here. And I will say it's also probably pushed me to think a lot bigger. I mean, Mm. whereas when I first got involved with Valley Life Recreation, you know, it was, okay, we're going to build something called the Squirrel Hills Trails Park. It's going to be, you know, a a $650,000 investment. It's going to be a lot of fun. It's going to be a regional attraction. I'm now thinking province-wide master plan. Dave needs to go to Bentonville, spend three weeks, learn everything he can from those who organize down there and then come back here and find myself a $20 million funder for the province. (laughs) (laughs) I think think that's the big part of Bentonville there. (laughs) Right, right. Which, I mean, may sound pie in the sky to a lot of people. But Mm -hmm. again, remember, I I love that big vision. I love the behind the scenes planning side of things. I mean, my and i and i think i'm comfortably calling it my previous life now a pre-pandemic i my full-time work was in the wedding and special events world mm-hmm. so i had taken a lot of training when it came to storytelling and learning how to you know find out who my wedding couple really is and then creating an event that tr- tells their story um in many different ways mm. and and i think all of the skills and abilities that I developed in that world, they, to me, they just fit in so naturally into at least what we're doing with Valley Life or Recreation. So now, of course, I just want to learn how to tell a much bigger story. That's all. Mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> yeah. No, that's great. I think – for me you know and and obviously covid's pretty uh pretty tough on on uh, on an industry like yourself with uh, the with events right. and, and weddings especially um yeah. and and you know i think uh most of us are are coming out of what is a, has been a challenging last couple of years and and uh and for me from an an advocacy standpoint there's been so much to advocate on in the last Years, um, and and a lot of conversations that were happening this year uh, that I felt like you know the listeners, myself, and the listeners had been having for a number of years already, and and it's great that these conversations are happening, but it's also easy to feel burnt out that like I can't believe we're still talking about these things and that really no mm-hmm. progress has been made on them, and then you know you mix in with all sorts of of uh, I mean this is a, a, a crazy time to kind of to live in. But as as I kind of, you know, charge and and uh recharge and and uh and kind of approach what's going to be, you know, a new season, a new year of of trails. And I'm I'm that's kind of the big thing for me is is looking at this through the lens of not mountain biking, but looking at this through just trail advocacy in, in right. general. Cause right. I think in mountain biking we've got a huge area of expertise. And I think perhaps there's some Activities in some areas that just we aren't uh our area of expertise isn't necessarily in I think we can offer a lot in those places
1: well and i and I think relative to some of what you're saying i mean i'm 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 continuously cognizant of the fact that I'm a somewhat new person here and uh and I don't want to overstep because of that and and I say that as a pretext to Trails today, by my experience over the last few years of this extraordinary time in history that we've we've all lived through, have now seen a resurgence of use that maybe has never been measured at this level before. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, you know, phrases like striking while the iron is hot and so mm-hmm. on and so forth come mm-hmm. to mind. I mean, the the trail park plans that that we announced last summer here. Had been in the works pre pandemic, but then when the pandemic hit, all of a sudden, everybody was like, Yes, of course we need this, <laughs>
0: yeah, yeah,
1: right uh, because just outdoor recreation has seen such an explosion of use and an explosion of use that I don't think is going away anytime soon, regardless you know if the pandemic comes behind us so yeah uh, there's there are probably a lot of people, much you know maybe like yourself, Brent, who in the advocacy world you know kind of say to themselves, Ah." Oh, Okay, now you're all waking up to what we've been trying to tell you for twenty years <laughs> for sure. um, and as and as as disheartening as that might be I, I I hope I can you know be one of the voices that says, look, let's just take this opportunity for what it is and it mm-hmm. is an extraordinary opportunity. The money being poured into trails now at least here in Canada you know it is something that you know has never been seen before and yeah. uh I think it's um I mean, I, I wish I would have spent the last 20 years in trails. I, I truly say that. I'm, I'm just having a blast in it. But I'm also very fortunate or very happy that I happen to have arrived at a time when I think it's a great time to get into trails advocacy. I, yeah. I, I really see a long-term future for myself in
0: this. Yeah, it's great. Yeah. And, and I think, you know, d- certainly people out there can, can, uh, those of us who have been recreating for a long time, <laughs> seeing, seeing all these new people out there, it, it can be frustrating. Yeah. Right. And, and I, I'm, I am always hesitant, you know, to, to make sure that, uh, uh, you know, my emotional reactions to suddenly having my quiet place, uh, overcrowded, you know, to, mm-hmm. to not be disappointed in that. That's a, that's a good thing. And, and it just, what it does do is it inspires me to make sure that we have more spaces and more opportunities and more access points and, and that kind of thing. And and I think at the same time, and this was an argument that was, was discussed way back early in the podcast about making sure that we are uh, offering and getting new people into the, into the sport of mountain biking or just trails in general. And Mm -hmm. what would come up sometimes is, well, why do we want more people to mountain bike? You know, the trails are already busy enough as it is. And, and I think, you know that's a very narrow-minded outlook it, when you have more people accessing the trails what you end up getting and and a great example is yourself you have somebody that has a skill set that has a knowledge base and and has the energy to also contribute and and we're not just getting new riders or new hikers or or what have you but we're also getting people that that are going to be new advocates and i think it's really good to have some, kind of some fresh blood in there and and hopefully my hope is that you know, the, the old dogs, which I hope I'm, I'm not one of them. Um, The old crusty <laughs> dogs out there aren't, aren't, pre- I don't think I am. I don't, aren't preventing, you know, people like yourself from from offering your opinion and getting involved, that kind of thing. And I see right. it with, with the new board members of the trail association that, that I'm with the North Shore Mountain Bike Association, you know, they can very easily get, uh, get burnt out just within a year because there's so much to learn and it's so complicated. And, and, so, kind of walk us through a little bit about, you know, your experience and how you kind of went from, from kind of biking five years ago to, to where you are now, um, right. with you, with the organization.
1: You know, it's, uh, we have an incredible group of people here who are really, really passionate for trails and really passionate for seeing something get built. And, uh, you know, my journey has really been one of discovering, I was never, I was never into sports as a young kid. I was never into sports as a young adult. And I remember at a conference, probably, oh, God, Brent, this would have been like seven, eight years ago, something like that, nine years ago. Uh, One of the people speaking from the stage said something to the effect of, um, the shape you're in when you hit 40 is a pretty good representation of the shape that you will likely be in for the rest of your life. (laughs) And I remember sitting in that audience, you know, as a young 30s, you know, 32, 33, whatever I was thinking, holy hell, I I need to, I need to get on this. I need to find Mm -hmm. that something I need to. And I tried the gym and yada, yada, and just, you know, shoot me now. I just, (laughs) the gym was not my thing. So uh, that was one of the things that truly inspired me to, to, you know, when I, found this love of mountain biking. I'm like, okay, I, I'm all in. And people who know me personally know that when Dave is into something, <laughs> there's no halfway, it's all in. <laughs> um, and I think that same mindset kind of, uh, made its way into just the organization that, that I now lead with this great group of people. Um, mm-hmm. and I mean, it, it probably merits mentioning, um, you know, as my industry, the, the wedding special events world got kind of flipped upside down in the last couple of years. I all of a sudden found myself with a pile of extra time. You know, I'm, I'm fortunate in that, uh, you know, we were able to rejigger our household budget, uh, with, you know, between my work and my wife's work that, you know, I, I, I didn't have to go out and find other work right away. So I was able to give of my time to this project, uh, this project being Valley Life Recreation and the trail park. And, uh, it's, uh, yeah, it's been a it's been a real adventure learning all the ins and outs about how you go from an idea to conceptual drawings to then communicating the vision of those drawings to potential funders and then having something to announce. And you know, we're now right right now we're actually in the process of just waiting on tender documents that we will then be sending out to some trail crews uh out, out your direction probably to see who we can hire to come in this summer and do that for us. So That's awesome. It's been a really great adventure. But I will. I'm going to end off this little section by saying, it has really highlighted for me, though the I, I, I hesitate in saying the need, but I guess the the opportunity that exists in that we have succeeded in large part in the last number of months because you know I was able to bring some skills in and using the skills of the rest of the team and this inordinate amount of time that I had, we were able to get a lot done. Yeah, but I had to build a lot of those tools. Um, yeah. you know, learning how to do grants and learning how to do all these different things and even just uh, you know, what should a sponsorship package look like and all these types of things. So, it's highlighted for me that there could be some interesting tools created for regional mm-hmm. trail organizations here in Manitoba that I would yeah. love to set out creating for other organizations to use so that even if they don't have the depth of knowledge in their team, mm-hmm. they still have pretty good odds of accomplishing something remarkable.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Well, and that takes us to where it kind of sounds like your your path and your journey in advocacy is is headed but um but I think where perhaps a lot of us start to to need to think about those of us who have been involved for a long time and maybe even just getting I I wouldn't say burnt out but um getting to the point where we've we've done what we need to do on a local level and it's time to kind of think bigger. I think that's where I'm I'm starting to get to with with uh my work with advocacy and mm-hmm. um you know how do we how do we scale this what what's next how do we go provincially how do we go federally uh what can we kind of do
1: yeah i mean i i mean here provincially i mean you know manitoba's not the number 1 location people think of when they think hey where am i going to go this summer and ride some great trails <laughs> um but i i think there's a real opportunity here for it um mm. you know and uh and i think you know, the next steps that you speak of are going about and finding people who can help create vision and then, you know, find people on the ground who are willing to play a role in seeing that vision come to life. I mean, mm-hmm. I mean, this may upset a few people listening, but I've become known for saying around here like lately anyway, um, money, the money is out there. Yeah. It's the story. That's the hard part.
0: Mm. Right.
1: Right. There's, there's there's lots of money out there but it's the story that's the hard part it's the vision it's it's how do you communicate that idea in a way that connects with a potential funder and they say well of course i want to give you $25,000 like it's mm-hmm. just obvious right yeah um so i think having people uh having people with skill sets like that play a, a role and they may be people that have n- no trail experience whatsoever which I hope that doesn't ruff, ruffle any feathers. I certainly don't intend for it to, but people who have these specialized skills yeah. in, you know, helping create master plans um, and, uh, and then finding the data to back up why that mm-hmm. master plan has the potential to be so valuable for a region, be it, you know, economic uh, material from the perspective of tourism, savings and healthcare costs, so on and so forth. And then, putting all that information together in a way that uh, is easily digestible by potential funders and this type of thing. I mean, you can tell where my brain has been at lately, right? I'm in a very fundraising mode right now, but yeah. um, that squirrels a little bit from your answer. But uh, I, yeah, thinking really big, I think attracts really interesting partners to projects.
0: Yeah, that's a, a, that's a great point. You know, I think about the sponsors that our organization has been able to to pull in and we certainly have an advantage with you know we're in, in north vancouver right, a, right adjacent to the city of vancouver you know the largest city in in british columbia but uh, you know one of the largest cities in in canada and and so we definitely yeah. have a huge uh, advantage to that but even being adjacent to a close city sometimes uh, an organization can can have this myopic view of, of who would want to support them mm-hmm. And, and now more than ever, you know, again, to kind of hit that point, like trails are being utilized by so many people and it's a great chance for us to kind of go out and, and speak to supporters that we might not necessarily be thinking about, um, right. groups, that, well, groups that would it, never come to mind.
1: Yeah. Well, and I, and I say, I wish I had more time and that's, that's partly a joke, but I, uh, there are so many large companies within a a hundred kilometer radius of where we live. You know, we're, we're, we're currently two hours outside of of Winnipeg for those curious, but there are so many large companies within a hundred kilometer radius whose websites I've not even been able to dig into yet to see, do they have some sort of legacy fund set up? Do they have some sort of whatever? Because a lot of these companies um, don't advertise this stuff in a big way. They want it to filter out organically through their staff. Yep. Yeah. You know, and, and a recent example of that is, you know, we had a we had a local individual reach out to us and say, hey, I've been following along with, you know, the, the big trail park that you guys are planning on building and, and, and what have you. You know, I work for this employer. They have a legacy fund set up. Uh, I think you guys should apply. And so I did some quick Googling, jumped online and went, yeah, perfect. And, you know, 24 hours later, I had a $50,000 grant application put together with them. And it sounds like we may be getting half of that. Mm-hmm. Now, had I, you know, cataloged all the companies of that size, which I keep intending to do in this area, and then dug through all the websites, I would have found that out. Yeah, right. But it just so that's I guess that's kind of what I mean when I said earlier, the, there's lots of money there. Yeah, but it is a it is a matter of having the story, and of course, you know, going out and finding out where that money is. But yeah, I don't know. Like, what are your not to put this on you, Brent? But no, you know, what is your experience is? Do you think trail advocates think big enough? Cause I sometimes think I think too big for at least my region here anyway, but that's a, it's a constant struggle in my head. Okay. Dave, yeah. stop spewing because it's not, <laughs> you know?
0: Yeah, no, I think, Um. I think a lot of trail builders think quite large in, in what they would love to do and what they would like mm-hmm. to build. You know, when it comes to the sandbox, I think we can think quite large, but, when, when we think about how we actually do that, you know, the funding and, and, and that type of thing, oftentimes uh that's where we, we feel the limit and, and probably we think too small, you know, I, I think this is a huge thing. I mean, this is, this is something that it's not exclusive to the Frontlines podcast, but with a number of things that have kind of happened uh over the last four or five years that the podcast has been, has been going. Um, we're having conversations as trail associations. Now we're seeing a lot more in in Canada, provincial organizations in the United States, we're seeing these, these state organizations or, or region organizations and they're putting in the work to kind of get people connected. And so we are able to think a lot bigger, but I, I think, uh, I don't think that we do think big enough, you know, where my eyes are right now is, is like, I'm focused on, uh, provincial parks, which don't have a ton of, uh, mountain biking opportunity there. They have some, um, right. but, but those are, they're fringe. And I think the, the development that's happening with mountain biking and provincial parks is really good because there's established trail associations in those communities and they're working with the parks now. And, and that seems great where, where I, my focus is, is, is like just the, the entire organization that, that is BC parks, which then gets you into either, um, trying to trying to get involved from the inside by working for them, or right. or by trying to play that political game, and that's where the the my eyes have gotten much much bigger. <laughs>
1: <laughs> <I> love that
0: <laughs> to the point where it's like you know not just engaging politically, but but considerations of like how to actually get involved politically and and potentially mm-hmm. run and and Love that. get a get a role in in whether it's municipal government or or pro, uh, pro, provincial government and you know wanting to kind of make the changes changes on those those much much higher levels so you know yeah. I don't maybe it's uh maybe it's just the two of us that uh are are what do they say Our, our eyeballs are too big for our stomachs but um <laughs> I, I yeah. think that's what we gotta do right now. I, I, I really do. I think we're we're coming out of this this moment in history in which we can really pivot where priorities are as a as a culture, as a society. And uh and I think everybody is is under the understanding that, you know, this stuff's important and uh and it's essential and uh mm-hmm. and we value it and I think we need to put more into it. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. And
1: I, uh, something you just mentioned, I I, I want to touch on as well, and that is, you know, the whole idea of creating relationships with all of these different entities and the mm-hmm. people involved in those organizations, right? Be it provincial parks, be it whatever. That's, um, I, I mean, I'm certainly not going to. Uh, I guess I'll just say one of the great benefits to where we've seen a lot of success in our our organization is in taking the time to develop relationships over multiple conversations and, Mm. and, and playing the long game using those soft skills, those interpersonal skills of getting to know people and, you know, befriending them, not because we're then going to ask them six months later for X number of dollars. Yeah. But because we generally want to get to know who these people are and, and, and what they represent in their company and so on and so forth. I, uh, I mean, if I, you know, if I was to, that that's something that, uh, you know, if, if any organization doesn't have that person that enjoys the long game of creating mm-hmm. relationships, I think that, um, that's something that's really, really critical. And I've appreciated that a lot of your past guests have spoken about that and I'm not going to yeah. try bringing up names cause I'll just, I'll forget too many, but, uh, that, That is the boring work. It's not as exciting as you know, riding a trail or or building a trail or you know, seeing a a a design come about for a trail. But it's just so incredibly important. Yeah, and uh, and I think that's one of the areas where my background in special events and particular weddings, um, I've had to work on my. My ability to hold positive relationships with everybody in many instances, whether it's my bride and groom, whether it's uh, a mother or father of the bride, or who knows yeah. what, right? <laughs> you know, yeah. fill in lots of your own stories there. I'm, I'm sure half the people that are making up a story right now, it's probably true. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but uh, yeah, that's. Um, I think that's a, that plays a big part into the broader vision. But yeah, I, I love what you're speaking about, Brent you know, yeah. think big, think province-wide, think statewide. What is, what is, what does this region look like 20 years from now? What do we, what do we want it to look like? And then how do we reverse yeah. engineer to figure out how we get there? Yeah.
0: Yeah. I really like, you know, this is um it's a very decolonized view of, of looking at relationships too. I think uh, I think we can very easily get to the, like, we want this, you want that. Here's our compromise. That's our relationship. Right. And and those are the conversations that I always think about in in the podcast about when we talk about working with first nations communities and, and it just does not work from that perspective of like going into a community and being like, Hey, this is why we're good for you. Let's come up with a deal. <laughs> but I, right. but I don't think that works in any, I think it, it had worked and it might've worked in the past, but I think, uh, I think going forwards, you know, this, this like Let's just have this relationship and see where it goes. Right, I've I've had the opportunity through COVID. I, um, there was a, a gentleman that I, that I've been chatting with locally who's who's a a, a big disc golfer, and I, I've been disc golfing quite a bit ever since my son was born. It was just one of those mm. things that I could do with him in in his little in the front carrier for a little while when he was quite quite small. <laughs> right. And, uh, really? I give myself a healthy handicap cause I was throwing, uh, not very hard with him, but it was actually just me learning as well. But, <laughs> um, and then he got into the the backpack carrier and I would, you know, put him down when I, when I would hit a, a tee shot and then put, put, put him in the backpack the rest of the time. And, and then eventually he started playing a little bit more and it's just something that we've done. And so I, I had this, uh, this gentleman reach out to me who was wanting to have more disc golf courses in, in my municipality. And, And, uh, he saw that I was involved with mountain biking and and wanted to kind of pick my brain. And and it was, it was great because I was able to kind of take, uh, my knowledge set, um, of advocacy, apply it to something completely different, but also kind of keep a little bit of distance between it. So I, I was, you know, and I said to him, like, look, I I don't want to be on your board. I don't want to get involved. I will come out to events. I will email. Um, but I've also, you know, emailed communities. And, and as soon as you kind of get involved, sometimes you, you stop being that like great example of an average citizen. And, uh, and so I said, I will be the best average citizen that you've ever had. I will email, I will, I will provide feedback. <laughs> I'll take photos with my kid. Uh, and then in Love the background, what? I'm willing Love to that. have all these conversations about this stuff. Right. And, and, uh, and it's great. Cause now he's starting to kind of reap some of the rewards of, of these relationships that he's been building for the last year and a half, two years. And there's the potential of us getting another disc golf course. And they've, they've maneuvered the, the, the disc golf course that, that is there. And it all started with like really basic things of like, Hey, we're going to pull invasive species uh, from this park. It has nothing to do with disc golf. We just love this park. It has a disc golf course in it. We're going to do this here. And, uh, and it's been really neat to kind of see that, right? And it's, it's enjoyable for me to kind of be able to just watch the success of a group and, and to kind of, it's, it's always great when, um, you're able to kind of take your, your knowledge set and your skill set and help somebody, you know, not trip on all the same things that you tripped on when you were figuring out how to do all this stuff. Right. But, um, it's, it's been a great experience to kind of see that from a, from a, a bit of a distance. Right. Right. Yeah.
1: That's really, really neat. I, uh, it's funny. I I recently had somebody reach out, um, and ask me about fundraising tips as well, because, Mm -hmm. you know, similar to you, right. They're like, Hey, you know, I, I heard this guy and he has a skill that we need. And yeah. Yeah. Similar thing though. Right. I'm like, you know, look, I'll, I'll jump on a zoom call with you occasionally, but I, I cannot commit. (laughs) Yeah, totally.
0: So, um, it sounds like you guys might be getting shovels in the dirt, uh, by the summer. That's, uh, you know, I, I'm excited for you cause that's something that, uh, it sounds like you've had a lot of experience in advocacy over the last little while, but you haven't kind of being able to to get what is one of the greatest feelings ever which is actually <laughs> going out and seeing a trail get built and then you know eventually i don't actually consider riding it to be my greatest joy i like seeing other people riding it that's that's what gives me right. a lot more joy especially on the trails that i work on they're they're generally the, the easier trails although i i like those trails as well um i love seeing mm-hmm. kids on them and parents on them and all sorts of uh, other users on them so it's going to be very exciting uh for you for when that kind of happens. And, and uh, I'm excited to kind of stay in touch with that. Um, Cause I, well, it's, it's a great time too. you know, we, we have the potential that, that we can have events again as well. Right. And so we can actually make these launches like they used to be, which is great. So hopefully you've got uh, you've got, what's going to be an exciting opening weekend planned um
1: yeah yeah I'm looking forward to it I mean as uh as you can imagine my my past you know uh, experience in events and all that type of thing I have a huge grand opening all kind of designed in my head already around what that day is going to look and feel like and it's uh it's gonna be super exciting, um you know, provided we get some uh some affirmative funding decisions made the next about thirty days we should we should have a pretty good indication of what type of building will, will happen this year. I'm pretty mm-hmm. confident that we're gonna get this whole park built this year, but yeah it's it's gonna be a lot of fun and um and we have certainly undertaken some uh advocacy with the public over this past winter. Ahead mm-hmm. of the trail park being built, so that we have a really well-educated um, user base already, or at least awesome. the education has started. Maybe is a better way to phrase it. Yeah, but uh, you know, we do have some local trails here, and uh, you know, locally built by some really, really dedicated builders and, and and trail users. And winter access can sometimes get a little dicey between mm. hikers, fat bikers, snowshoers, cross-country skiers. So. We really took it upon ourselves to do some public ed, if you will, uh, the the promotion of the idea that all users, you know, really, really are trail stewards uh, to varying yeah. degrees. And uh, so we've had some pretty great success with that over the winter. So I'm excited to now get this user group who we've, you know, spent our time working on. I'm excited to get them out on this trail system.
0: Yeah, that's awesome. Well, I'm excited to uh, put this conversation back into uh, everybody's you know podcast listening apps or whatever they're using. Um, and hopefully uh, everybody's still subscribed and uh, <laughs> and they'll be pleasantly surprised by a new episode <laughs> which hasn't happened for a little while. But um not kind of having a game plan on on future episodes and and how that's all gonna roll out. I, I kind of want to keep it a, a little bit more organic. Um, maybe what we can do here, Dave is, is, uh, what, what do you want to talk about next? Like, what's the big thing? What's the, if, if there's a a topic, uh, that you want to hear about, or there's an expert that you're looking for, what is it? And let's see, hopefully maybe whoever's listening to the show right now, uh, might, might be that person or might know somebody. And, uh, and perhaps that could inspire kind of the the next episode and, and we could just kind of keep this conversation going.
1: Wow. You know this this probably doesn't work out uh time of year wise for for the <laughs> next episode or anything, but i mean we're uh we're just coming out of winter here in mm-hmm. Manitoba and we have had just extraordinary amounts of snow this winter, which has meant that trail maintenance has been provided additional challenges yeah for keeping the trails well packed not post hold cetera and uh You know, we've had to figure out a lot of how do we communicate various topics to the public and and so on and so forth. So I've done some networking over the winter with friends in other regions who also maintain winter trails. But that is a topic I would love to uh, explore more personally, uh, if Mm. not in the context of a podcast. But I mean, I, you know, partway through the winter, I'm like, you know what, I need to organize like a, like an online winter trail symposium next winter, Uh, next fall or something like that, right? Just because... I know this is a very regional thing, right? I mean, yeah. anybody yep. south of Parallel, whatever it might be, is going to be like, mm-hmm. what are you talking about? But I mean, fat biking in, in Manitoba is a massive thing, yeah. but maintaining access to quality fat bike trails isn't anywhere near as easy as the, as the average person might realize. <laughs> mm,
0: yeah. Absolutely. You know, I was just thinking about that. I was out I was out ski touring going like, you know, it's nice ski touring sometimes because it's like hiking where you can just crawl over top of a log and I and I was looking at one section of a stomped out trail going, "Oh, I'd love to ride that section, but then I'd have to ride over that, and that looks horrible." Uh, <laughs> You know, it's just like mountain bike trails, right? You, we, we do need that trail maintenance. So that's, that's yeah. great. I think, you know, yeah. yeah, maybe it's not, uh, maybe it's not the seasonal time for that, but sometimes it's good to have a, a reflection on, on the season we just mm-hmm. had. And, uh, and that can help us, uh, help to inspire us when, uh, when November rolls around next year. Right. So I mean, that's great. Some of, some of my favorite
1: episodes uh, of the show have maybe even been where there were a number of guests brought in to mm-hmm. all discuss and share ideas around a topic and maybe this is an interesting topic for that type of format. I don't know. Yeah. Um, But, uh, but yeah, I'm uh, I I would also love to hear more conversations about the success that organizations experienced when they brought on paid staff. Mm. I think, um, you know, in, in listening to the, to your podcast over the, you know, the 80, 80 or so episodes, there seems to be a, a really interesting pivot or moment happening in organizations when they make that that next step to okay we don't want to burn out all the volunteers it's time to put some money into administration uh, that's another conversation that i think and, and i hope more trail organizations are going to be having among themselves mm-hmm. now as we come out of this mm-hmm. time where all of our trails are seeing an explosion of use which is yeah. going to mean more maintenance probably more trail expansion how how do we do all that? How do we tackle all of that while not burning out those who have been at it for, you yeah. know, 10, 20, 30 years? Right. Absolutely. So I think more organizations are likely going to be having that conversation. And I think more municipalities will be open to to the idea potentially of funding those positions too. Maybe mm-hmm. I, I'm not sure. Maybe I'm
0: alone in this, <laughs> No, I think, uh, I think absolutely that's, that's part of it, right? Um, uh, burnout, burnout is real. And if it's, uh, if you weren't feeling burnt out, uh, before COVID, you're probably feeling burnt out after COVID. And so, you know, making sure that, uh, (laughs) (laughs) sustainability is important. Very true. Well, that's awesome, Dave. Thanks so much for for being uh, my first guest back for uh, for what's going to be kind of a, a new season. I, I really appreciate that. I also appreciate you kind of just jumping in and, and emailing me. Uh, uh, you know, probably about a year ago. It just kind of was nice to make sure that uh, there was still an audience out there and people were still listening, and it, it kept me engaged and, and kept me wanting to, to kind of come back. So, um, thanks for for everything. I appreciate all of your support, and and uh, we'll uh, we'll definitely uh, speak with you again. And and uh, happy to. Stay in touch.
1: Uh, yeah, it's it's been a true pleasure connecting with you, Brent, and uh, you know to to all the listeners who have no doubt provided you with a lot of ideas for the podcast episodes in the past. I mean, my grateful grateful appreciation for for everybody that's been involved. It's uh, it's been really something else for for us and our organization here. And I know that uh, many of the episodes have led to our board members understanding what it is that we're doing in a more more comprehensive way than maybe they realized. So uh, yeah, our, uh, on behalf of our organization, uh, our hats off to you and thank you for making
0: this available. Awesome. Thanks, Dave. This episode of the podcast was recorded on the traditional territory of the tsleil Musqueam, Squamish, and Stolo nations. My guests joined me from the traditional territory of the Oce Te the Anishinaabe, and the Machef p If you're curious to learn more about the traditional territory that you occupy and recreate on, then visit native-lands.ca. I left this conversation feeling inspired and ready to tackle the next phase of my personal advocacy work. Let me know what you've been thinking about over the last little while. Like always, you can find the show on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at FrontlinesMTB. You can also join the Facebook group at Advocates on the Frontlines of MTB. And you can send me an email or audio file to info at frontlinesmtb.com. You can stream the show on Mountain Bike Radio, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and Stitcher. And if you haven't done so already, leave a review on wherever you get the show. It helps others find the podcast. And once again, thank you to Susie, Ernest, and Alex, and also for the donations from Dave and Jeffrey. Don't forget to support the show via PayPal. You can find a link to that in the show notes. In the show notes, you can also find links to the Valley Life Recreation Music, as always, is by Lee Rosevear, production notes by Jennifer Pride, artwork is created by Brendan Gallagher Watson and BGW Creative, and a big thanks to Ben Wellnack and the team at Mountain Bike Radio for their continued support. And if you want to take part in the conversation, I'm always looking for guests for new episodes. And finally, I'm Brent Hillier. This is Frontlines. Thanks for listening, and happy trails.